Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Also, Happy New Year. It is now 2023. I can't believe that. That number just sounds really weird for some reason. Anyway, so glad to have you back with me, as always, to discuss another case here. And if you are new, then welcome. But today we're going to be talking about a case that desperately still needs justice. This family has been through absolute hell, and justice has certainly not been served. In fact, the killer is still on the loose. Today, we are going to be discussing the tragic murder of Leslie Palacio. Before we get into this case today, I did want to take some time to thank you all for your very generous donations to National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We did hit our goal of $100,000. In fact, we are far over that goal. With all of your help this year, whether that's through merch sales or purchases from small businesses that I've partnered with or just making a donation yourself, we have reached over $160,000, you guys, which is absolutely incredible. There were close to $50,000 in individual donations from all of you. I went ahead and matched that, bringing us to 159. And then Magic of Eye will be sending in their donation as well, which is over $5,000. And that will bring us close to $165,000. And I just feel so good about this donation. NECMEC is a great organization. They do so much in the crime space. They help so many families and work with law enforcement and families when it comes to missing children, exploited children. They make age progressions. They educate people all over the world about safety and prevention. And I just know they are such a deserving cause. And I can't wait to see what we continue to raise for them in 2023. So thank you all for participating. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for supporting this cause. Really, it is very near and dear to my heart. And the NECMEC team is so, so grateful for all of you. And I just know that every dollar donated to them is going to be put to amazing use. And I can't wait to see what we do this year, guys. Every year, it just keeps getting better. All right. So like I said, today, we're going to be talking about Leslie Palacio. And this case is truly heartbreaking and very, very frustrating, especially the fact that there is no justice to this day. I just can't believe it. Leslie seemed like an amazing person. Obviously, I didn't know her myself. But from what I've researched, she just was a very bright individual with a huge heart who had the potential to do amazing things in her life. And all of that was taken away from her in such a tragic and wasteful way. So let's start out by talking a little bit more about Leslie so you guys can get an idea of who she was. So Leslie was born on May 5th, 1998 in Las Vegas, Nevada. She was actually the second born of five sisters. So of course, they had a lot of fun in their family. And she was raised by her mother, Araceli, and her father. And Leslie's life was way, way too short. But for the 22 years that she was alive, Leslie really made an unforgettable impact on all of her family and friends. She was strong. She was very independent and took a lot of pride in helping support her family. From the outside looking in, it really does seem like family was everything to her. Leslie loved to cook and she always made sure that everyone in her family was very well fed. And even if she wasn't there to cook her family dinner herself, she would always call them to make sure that everyone ate because she just had that caretaker nature at heart. Being the second oldest in her family and because her parents worked all the time, she really stepped up and helped take care of her younger siblings and that brought her a lot of joy. And her dedication to helping others extended beyond her family as well. Leslie attended Las Vegas College and was working as a lab assistant in 2020 and her co-workers said that she was pretty shy when they first met her but eventually she started to come out of her shell and they felt like she was an unstoppable 
unstoppable force on their team. And she was really, really good at her job too and took it very seriously. In fact, her lab assistant instructor said that she loved drawing blood. I actually read somewhere that she enjoyed being paid to poke people. (laughs) And obviously many people are really afraid of getting their blood drawn. And Leslie was not only good at her job, made it quick and easy, but also made people feel comfortable in those moments. And one of her sisters, Kaylee, says that she was very seriously considering becoming a phlebotomist, which is a medical professional trained at drawing blood. But Leslie also wanted more for her future. Not even 24 hours before she was murdered, she actually told her sister Kaylee that she wanted to help people in a different way. She wanted to become a crime scene investigator, which is just so incredibly heartbreaking to think about, you know, how she wanted to help others who were victims of crimes and solve those cases and get justice for people. And yet here we are sitting here talking about getting justice for her. Leslie's family has talked a lot about how important it is for them to keep her memory alive and make sure that her story is heard by as many people as possible. And I can only hope that making this video helps her family feel the support from the true crime community where Leslie absolutely would have been welcomed into. So all of this takes place back in 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020 and how crazy of a time this was for everyone. And it definitely was crazy for Leslie's family. At the time, Leslie's mother, Araceli, was very busy working for a cleaning service to help provide for them during such a difficult year. But Leslie could see how unhappy Araceli was at her job. And she knew that there had to be a better way for her to make money and be happy while doing it. I have seen mixed reporting on this. I'm not sure if her mother was furloughed from this job or if she decided to just take a new path. Either way, she stopped what she was currently doing. And Leslie helped her mom create her own cleaning service business. And they were really excited about this. And everything was starting to come together for it. In fact, she had just gotten her first contract signed right before this all happened. Leslie also really loved working out, but obviously with the pandemic going on, a lot of the gyms were shut down, pretty much all of them. And so Leslie had to get creative and she started working out in their backyard with her family. And this was really nice for them. They have a lot of great memories being outdoors and being active with each other. And her sister, Corelli, said that Leslie also talked about wanting to start a clothing boutique together one day. Clearly, she wanted to do it all. She had many dreams and goals to accomplish in her life. And I have no doubt that she would have accomplished those goals if this did not happen to her. Leslie was really that girl. She was smart, kind, funny, hardworking, absolutely gorgeous. I think we can all agree. And a great friend to everyone that she came across. So let's start going through the timeline here. August 28th, 2020. Leslie decides that she wants a fun, stress-free night out. And she had just completed her lab assistant program literally the day before. And around this time, certain areas in Las Vegas had started kind of lifting the pandemic restrictions. So she thought it was a great time to go out. And obviously, I don't think I need to remind you guys that this is not the place to victim shame and to, you know, bring up the fact that she shouldn't have been going out. I mean, it's really beyond the point. Leslie wanted just one night to feel free, let loose, and celebrate her recent accomplishments. So she expressed to a couple of people that she wanted to go out that night. However, it doesn't seem like anyone was down to go out with her. Obviously, people were still nervous or busy with other things. And so she wasn't sure if she was going to have anyone to go out with that night until 
she got an Instagram message from a guy named Eric Rongel Ibera. He messaged her and asked her if she wanted to go out that night with him. Now, Eric wasn't some stranger. She had known him for a long time. In fact, they were close family friends with the Iberas, and they had actually been friends with the Palacios for over 14 years, and they had met through their local church. And I did see a few things online saying that the relationship between these two families was even closer. I can't confirm this. I've only seen it one or two other places, and I'm not completely sure if it's true, but it has been reported that Eric's mother was actually Leslie's godmother, which makes all of this even more disturbing. Now, Eric and Leslie were definitely not best friends. I mean, they definitely knew each other for a long time. They were family friends. They were the same age, close in age, but that's about all they really had in common. Her sisters say that Eric had always expressed kind of a romantic interest in Leslie, but she really never reciprocated these feelings and wasn't into him. And he would text her a lot, constantly looking for attention from her and, you know, trying to start something up, but she only ever liked him as a friend. But he seemed determined for more. So on the night of August 20, 8th. Obviously, she's looking to go out with someone. No one else seems to want to join her. So an invitation to go out with Eric is better than not going out at all. So she agrees to join him for a night out. And Leslie was a very responsible person. She let her sister Kaylee know where she was going to be that night, who she was going to be with, and told her that she would be texting her updates on everything going on throughout the night. And she also told her sister something that's a bit unusual. Apparently, Eric was not going to be drinking that night. Now, obviously, it is not a crime to not drink, and that's perfectly fine. Apparently, he was on some diet, but it does strike me as a little odd that he wanted to be sober while she was under the influence. So the first place that Eric and Leslie went was the Longhorn Casino and Hotel. You can see them arriving on security footage in Eric's white Ford F-250 at 12.31 a.m. in the early morning hours of August 29th. You can see them both exiting his truck and then walking together into the casino. And then next, they're seen on surveillance footage inside the casino getting a start to their night. Then, only a little over an hour later at 1.56 a.m., Leslie and Eric are leaving the Longhorn casino and hotel and are heading out for the rest of their night. And like I said earlier, Leslie was doing a good job of keeping her sister updated on what they were doing. But at 4.40 a.m., Leslie sent a pretty unusual text. She said, dude, I gotta talk to you about some shit. And little did Kaylee know this would be the last text that she would ever get from Leslie. Kaylee did say that for a few seconds, the text bubble came up like Leslie was starting to respond, but nothing was ever sent. And then soon after this, her texts go green. Green. And what exactly happens after this is still unknown. We'll get through the details later of what we do know, but morning came on the 29th and Leslie never came home. Kaylee said she first realized that Leslie didn't make it home when she went in her room to wake her up and she wasn't there. Now, at first, they didn't get too concerned thinking, you know, maybe she had drank a lot and she just crashed at Eric's and she'd eventually come home, but she didn't. By then, it was turning into early afternoon and there was still no word from Leslie. So a few members of the Palacio family got in their car and drove over to Eric's house hoping to find Leslie, but something was immediately off when they arrived because when they got there, Eric's mother and his sister were carrying out pieces of furniture. And obviously... Moving furniture out of your house is 
fairly normal, but the Palacio family got a very strange vibe about this and they were right. So they went up to them and asked if Leslie was there or had been there. And the Ibarra family said that they had not seen Leslie, that she wasn't there and acted like they didn't even know that her and Eric had gone out the night before. And that's when their concern really started to set in. And once it became clear that nobody knew where she was and they were saying that they hadn't seen her, they knew something was wrong. They immediately began to take action. Her older sister Corelli started calling local hospitals thinking maybe there had been an accident, but she had no luck. No one knew where Leslie was. She even tried calling Eric himself and... I'm not exactly sure if he, you know, disconnected his phone or if it was out of service, but it didn't even take her to his voicemail. So the following day, August 30th, the Palacio family reports Leslie as a missing person. Now, thankfully, the Las Vegas police took action immediately and put in a request for Leslie's cell phone records, thinking maybe they'd be able to track down her movements from the night before. But unfortunately, it does take some time to get these records back. But the Palacios just couldn't sit there and wait. So in the meantime, they ended up starting a community-wide effort to spread the word about Leslie's disappearance. And then the next piece of big information actually came in the following day. On August 31st, the Ibera family made their own missing persons report, stating that Eric and his father, Jose, were both missing. Miss Ibera told the police that Eric had gone out drinking late on the 28th, and when he returned the next morning on the 29th, he was acting very strange. She says that she saw him walk out the door, and then he never returned. Now, it doesn't seem like a coincidence to the police that Eric was also missing, but why was his father gone too? That obviously seemed like a pretty weird piece of the puzzle. So in an effort to try to learn more about this now triple disappearance, the Las Vegas police began driving around their neighborhood, hoping that someone had surveillance cameras. And they were very, very lucky. It turns out the house right across the street from the Iberas had security cameras that faced their house. Now we'll talk more about what this footage reveals in a sec. But on top of this footage, Leslie's cell phone records also came in. And now investigators were able to easily track her movements in the early morning hours of the 29th. And they were able to see that her and Eric had gone to Longhorn Casino and Hotel. And then afterwards, the two of them went to Putter's Bar and Grill and they got there around 2.15 a.m. After that, her cell phone is placed at Bourbon Street Bar and Grill and records indicate that she left around 5.50 a.m. So a very late night. So let's talk about that surveillance footage from the neighbor's house. We're able to see that at 6.05 a.m., Eric's truck drives up to the family home and he is seen helping Leslie walk from the car into his home. Obviously, she was pretty intoxicated and I really can't help but think that her level of intoxication here was part of some sick plan that Eric had, especially after she had made it clear for years that she was not interested in him romantically. So then not much longer after they go into the house at 7.25 a.m., and this is just absolutely sick, Eric is seen on camera and he's not alone. He is carrying Leslie's body out of the house with the help of his father. She's wrapped in a bed sheet and she is being put into the back of his truck. Then Eric drives off and you can see his father, Jose, cleaning off their driveway with a hose. The same camera catches Rangel Ibarra and another man, who prosecutors believe is his father, 46-year-old Jose Rangel, dragging a lifeless body from the home and into that same truck. 
Minutes after, the truck drives off, leaving Rangel hosing off the walkway. So obviously, as soon as police see this footage, it becomes clear that Jose and Eric are not missing and endangered. They are on the run. And they were able to use the footage to obtain a search warrant for the Ibera home. And they ended up finding a lot of additional evidence to prove that Leslie had lost her life inside that house that morning. During their search, it was obvious that there had been a major attempt to clean the place. There were cleaning supplies everywhere, latex gloves lying around, and several trash bags just sitting on the floor. But the biggest piece of evidence was found in Eric's room. On his sheetless bed, there was blood on the mattress and blood spatter on the floor. So obviously that's a clear indication that Leslie had been attacked. And it's pretty obvious right off the bat to them who this blood belongs to, even before they did a DNA analysis to confirm. And from here forward, investigators began this giant manhunt for Eric and Jose, as well as efforts to find Leslie's body, which was still missing at this point. Police say Rangel Ibarra killed Palacio. These crime scene photos inside the home showing a stripped bed and blood spatter, though investigators say they have yet to determine whose blood it is. Investigators also taking photos of gloves and cleaning supplies in the home. And as soon as the Palacio family gets this news, they're just devastated, shocked and cannot believe that this is actually happening to them. While investigators are working hard to locate Eric and Jose, the Palacio family went right to their community to ask help to find Leslie's body. Flyers and posters were shared everywhere in hopes that anyone could help them find her or identify Eric and Jose. And day after day from this point on, the Palacio family and their community really rallied to spread the word that Leslie's killers were on the run. Denise and Brian, the Palacio family is taking grief and turning it into to action. They printed out these flyers here and posted them all around the valley. They're asking the community to step up and help them find these two men connected to Leslie's death. And their strength during this time is just unbelievable. I can't imagine even being able to function under these circumstances, but they wasted no time, sprung right into action, and did everything that they could to fight for Leslie's return, even if that meant she wasn't coming home alive. So the first very fortunate break in the case came when a license plate reader located Eric's truck, and it was marked approximately six miles away from his house around 10 a.m. the morning of August 29th. His truck was heading back in the direction of his home and this was about four hours or so after they believe Leslie was murdered. So clearly, right away, that tells us that wherever he dumped her body has to be within a four-hour radius of his home. So investigators believed right away that he had taken her to the border of Nevada and Arizona or towards Charleston Peak. And even though that gave some good insight and a direction of where to start looking, it was still a huge search area to comb over. So investigators were desperate for any additional information that could help point them to a more exact location. And again, they caught another lucky break when a gas station located 40 miles north of Las Vegas captured surveillance footage of Eric's truck pulling off the highway and heading towards the Valley of Fire National Park. His car is then seen 20 minutes later heading back in the direction that it first came from and his tires are muddy. So... This significantly narrowed down where he could have left her body, and the muddy tires indicate that he likely went off-road at some point. Also, the 20 minutes between footage indicates that her body was somewhere 
probably in a 20 mile radius of the gas station. So they start a search of the area and on September 9th, Leslie's body was recovered. It was recovered by the Moapa Tribal Police and Red Rock Search and Rescue just 11 days after she had gone missing. 22 year old was reported missing August 29th. Today, investigators discovered her body near Valley of Fire. 8 News Now reporter Sasha Loftus joining us now with more on who police are looking for tonight. Sasha? Denise and Kirsten, police are actively searching for 25-year-old Eric Rangel Ibarra connected to Palacio's death. They say he is the main suspect in this case. Leslie was found partially clothed, lying behind a large bush. Eric made no attempt to even bury her body, and the dirt on her jeans indicates that she'd likely been dragged several feet to this location. And the Valley of Fire is the desert. It is super, super hot. And because of that, there was too much decomposition to her body for the medical examiner to actually determine her exact cause of death. So we may never know. Her family was very grateful that they had actually discovered their body. It's one step closer to getting justice, but it doesn't make it any easier. It was incredibly difficult to get the news, especially that her body had been decomposed. That's just awful to think about as a family. I truly can't imagine having to picture my family member in that condition. It's just, it's something that no family should ever go through. Leslie Palacio's body was discovered in the desert last Wednesday after days of frantic efforts to find her alive. We're scared. We can't even go out because we're always looking everywhere. Now her loved ones fear for their own safety as the search continues for those connected to her death. So the next day, September 10th, her family ends up holding a vigil for Leslie. Denise, tonight's gathering just really was an example of how much Leslie was loved. You can see behind me here, they took the candles that were used for tonight's vigil and placed them outside her home to spell Leslie. Now, the dozens that came together here tonight wanted to honor who she was. They also say they want the person responsible for her death to pay for what they did. She was like a mother to me. Tons of friends, families, neighbors, and just random people in the community gathered to honor Leslie's life. And obviously, like I said, her family is relieved at this point to at least have recovered her body, but they know that her killer is still on the run. The fight for justice was far from over at this point, but that night was definitely a beautiful celebration of Leslie's 22 years of life. So the investigation continues on and police really had to turn to the public to help them locate Eric and Jose. But the next major break comes when Eric's truck is located in Moreno Valley, California. Police end up getting in touch with Eric's cousin and he tells them that he had brought the two of them, Jose and Eric, to San Isidro, where he believed the two of them were planning to cross the border. And obviously, once a killer crosses the border, it makes everything so much more difficult. I mean, finding two fugitives in Mexico would require a lot of manpower and much more than the Las Vegas department could actually handle. So at this point, the FBI was brought in. So then for a little while, a couple of months, things sort of go cold and they're trying everything they can to locate Jose and Eric, but obviously it's very difficult. But then on January 19th, 2021, which is four months after Leslie's body was found, Eric's father, Jose, turns himself in at the border. I don't know what brought him to actually turn himself in, but 
It's very lucky that he did, because if he didn't, he would likely still be on the run with his son. Everyone was very relieved that he was now in custody, and he was quickly extradited back to Clark County, where he was facing charges of destruction of evidence and accessory to murder. Now, I understand wanting to protect your child at all costs, but helping them cover up a murder, helping get rid of a body is unbelievable to me. I don't know what would bring you to that point. And of course, when Jose was first questioned, he tried to minimize his involvement as much as possible. So the story he ends up trying to tell the police is basically that Eric was acting super weird on the morning of August 29th. So he decided to take him to Mexico. Obviously, that's the furthest thing from the truth and investigators knew that. So they ended up showing him the surveillance footage taken just outside of their home that morning that shows him helping his son drag her body into the car and then hosing off the driveway. And after seeing this, Jose decides to change his story and start offering up more details. I mean, he knew they were busted. So he then tells investigators, that he was actually out in his garage working on something when Eric starts dragging Leslie's body on a bed sheet out into the garage. And he sees this, panics, decides not to even ask questions and immediately starts helping his son load her body up into the truck. Now, he also says that he didn't see any visible signs, trauma, and he claims that he was under the impression that Leslie died of an overdose. Court documents showing Rangel initially told police that Eric told him Palacio had died from an overdose. He told police the first time he saw the body was when Eric dragged it down the stairs of their home on a sheet. He also explained that Eric immediately began talking about taking his own life. And so he thought the best thing that he could do was bring him to Mexico. And although this doesn't make much sense, it did make more sense than his previous story. But there was still one more thing that investigators needed from Jose, and that was Eric's current location. But of course, that's the one thing that Jose said he didn't know. In his story, he said that as soon as the two of them got into Mexico, they got on a bus and that the bus ended up then being searched by Mexican authorities. He said that while that happened, they sort of panicked and they decided to go ahead and split up because they thought it would be a lot harder for authorities to find both of them separated than if they were together. Obviously, we don't know if this is true. This is just what Jose says, and it's likely it's all part of a plan. I highly doubt that they actually decided to split up. I mean, maybe. It seems weird to me, but I guess we'll never know. And to this day, Jose claims that he has no idea where Eric went or where he is. The FBI is still searching for Eric, and the Palacio family is not going to give up until one day they hope that he is caught. Investigators arrested Rangel near the U.S.-Mexico border last month. He told officers he had driven to Mexico with Eric, and then they split up after that. Palacio's family says this is just the beginning. We're not going to stop until he's Eric is finally caught. So then on June 18th, 2021, Jose officially pled guilty. He pleaded guilty to destruction of evidence and acting as an accessory to murder. And this is absolutely shocking. And despite how horrific his crimes were, Jose was only sentenced to two years in prison. That's right, people. He helped his son get rid of a body and flee to Mexico. And he only got 
two years in prison. And that just shows you right there how broken our justice system is. I honestly cannot believe that. And either could the Palacio family. They were shocked and highly disturbed that that is all he got. It's just so unfair. And obviously, this is right in the middle of the pandemic. And so he joined the courtroom virtually while Leslie's family and friends joined in person. And they begged the judge to give him a longer sentence because two years is not and will never be enough for someone who is an accessory to murder and helped the murderer get away. They literally begged. They made public pleas asking for more time. But in the end, that is all he got. 46-year-old Jose was only sentenced to two years in prison, including the time that he had already served since his arrest back in January. Just a few minutes ago, the father accused of helping his son after the death of Leslie Palacio was sentenced to two years in prison. Looking at video here taken inside the courtroom in downtown Las Vegas, 46-year-old Jose Rangel pleaded guilty back in June to destroying evidence and accessory to murder. And in his hearing, Jose tried to apologize to the Palacio family, which obviously doesn't mean shit, but he tried to say that the love for his son just overpowered him and he does regret what he did. And understandably, their family has made it clear that they do not forgive him. They do not believe his sorry is genuine because bottom line is, he should have turned his son in no matter what. And because of him, they have no justice to this day. Eric is off somewhere in Mexico, most likely. We have no idea where he is, and he is living a free life, which is disgusting considering Leslie lost hers, all because of his selfish actions within a few hours. Well, the Palacio family does not believe two years is justice for the horrifying crime, and they say they're going to keep fighting so that other families won't have to suffer like this. You don't know the pain that you caused me and my family. A heartbreaking message for the man who helped cover up the gruesome killing of 22-year-old Leslie Palacio. On Friday, Jose Rangel was sentenced for destroying evidence and acting as an accessory to commit murder. Although we do know, like, they can't do anything, like, then give him, like, more than two years, it's still not really justice for us. Your sorry was never sincere and will never be forgiven. I hate you with all my life. But now the family says they face a new challenge, changing the law. He is uh, committed to changing the law of the state of Nevada. Future victims can have justice because she feels that for somebody who helped in a murder should get more than two years. The Palacio family has made it clear that they are committed to continuing to fight for justice for Leslie and they will not stop until they get it. They will continue to hold out hope that he will be found as long as it takes. It is so frustrating thinking that he is still out there and I obviously was holding out hope with them that he would be found by now. Cannot believe he still isn't, but at the same time I can because it is so hard to find someone once they cross the border. I mean, it's nearly impossible. All we can hope at this point is somehow he is located and brought back to the U.S. and charged for this crime formally. Or on the other hand, maybe the guilt will catch up to him and he will decide to turn himself in. I so badly wish that I had a different ending for you guys today, but if you or anyone you know has seen this man, please contact the Las Vegas Police Department at 702 828 3521 or Crime Stoppers at 702 385 
888-985-5555. And they have made it clear that if you do give them information, you can remain anonymous. The Palacios have currently raised just over $17,000 through their GoFundMe, which is being used to raise the reward for Eric's capture. If you are in a position to contribute, I highly encourage you to do so. I definitely will be making a donation myself because we know that someone knows something and with the right incentive, maybe they will come forward. Leslie deserves justice. The Palacio family deserves justice. And Eric deserves to spend the rest of his life behind bars. I'm not a religious person myself, but I will say I believe that in the end, we are all judged for our actions and that karma is real. And I truly hope that Every day of Eric's miserable existence is filled with horrendous guilt for what he has done. I hope he is haunted every night in his dreams. What a disgusting human to take this beautiful girl's life in this way. Leslie was clearly a kind, smart, beautiful, hardworking young adult who had a big future ahead of her. And my heart truly goes out to her family and friends. I can't imagine being in this position myself. They have gone through two of the most horrible years of their lives, and yet they've stayed strong as they fight week after week for her. I really hope with every fiber of my being that Eric is caught or turns himself in and this family can finally take a sigh of relief that justice will be served. Again, I so badly wish there was a different ending to this story, and hopefully one day there will be. That's all that we can hope. In the meantime, I encourage you to leave kind words for this family. The support, I think, goes a long way. Unfortunately, that is all that I have for you guys today. I hope one day I'm able to do an update and let you guys know that Eric has been found. But until that day, all we can do is hope that justice will eventually come for Leslie Palacio. That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there.